Hello, I am C-3PO, and I believe the storyteller is ready. So, let us begin. So the Bad Batch starts out with burning away the logo of the Clone Wars and giving us the logo for the Bad Batch. Uh, we get a similar intro to the way the Clone Wars arcs are introduced with the narration, and it kind of introduces us that we're on the planet Collar uh, with uh, Jedi Depa Balaba and her Padawan Caleb Doom. And so on they're being overrun by Separatist forces, uh, the clones uh, clearly need some form of backup. Caleb comes running down the hill saying that he's got them some form of reinforcements. It turns out it's the Bad Batch. And although there's only five of them, they can do a heck of a lot of damage. And so they take out an entire force of Separatist droids. And from there, they decide they're going to launch a counter-strike when Order 66 comes in. And the clones turn on Depo Balaba. Caleb runs away. Uh, she dies. And then uh, the the Bad Batch have to determine, okay, what is this Order 66? Let's go find the Padawan. But Crosshair seems pretty determined to kill the Padawan, and Hunter seems pretty content to let him get away because he's just confused by all of this. And so they wrap up and head back to Camino to figure out what the heck is going on with this Order 66. And while they're there, they meet a, a curious little girl who whose name is o Omega, and uh, I'm not really sure exactly what her origin is, but she she works among the familiar Kaminoan clone factory. There's a whole bunch of action and there's a whole bunch of politics in the middle um, 55 minutes of this episode. I can't tell you exactly what happened during most of it, but I know at some point, like leading towards the climax of the episode, they find themselves imprisoned with Omega. Okay. Yeah. So in that time, they see that the Empire has now taken over the Republic. Uh, they get back and Hunter and Crosshair continue to banter back and forth. Uh, they're going to go on uh, another, sorry, they do a battle simulation for Tarkin. Tarkin uh, is debating as to whether or not it makes sense to keep clones. And he's very curious about these special clones. They do a battle simulation, these live rounds on them, Wrecker gets shot. Uh, but after that, they've proven themselves valid. Tarkin sends them to Onderon, where they are supposed to take out Separatist forces. They're apparently insurgents, even though it's just a bunch of villagers. Uh, they meet up with Saw Guerrera, who basically tells them that uh, the Empire is not the old Republic, and things are going to be a little different, and you may need to make some different decisions because times have changed. Uh, he lets them off the hook uh, for planning to kill them all. Uh, and then they decide they're going to go rescue Omega. And that's where they find themselves in prison back on Kamino because she had told Hunter before they left uh, that she they shouldn't trust Tarkin. And now they know why, because he had been spying on them with a probe droid and noticed that they did not follow orders by taking out the insurgents. So they are thrown into prison when they return to Kamino, uh, where they break out by Omega uh, 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 crawling through the vents. Yes, they literally punch their way out, which I found to be a little silly as well. They punch a hole in the prison cell and then it's small enough for omega to, to crawl into the air ducts diehard style and then they basically spring themselves by attacking the three uh clone trooper guards and yeah that's, that's kind of how cross it crosshair has been analyzed because for some because he filed a report that the bad batch had indeed 
uh, not completed their mission properly and let Caleb go. And so they analyze his inhibitor chip to see that it's still semi-working. They increase the uh, efficacy of it and he uh, turns on the entire Bad Batch and tries to take them out as they're escaping, but they escape with Omega and then that's the episode. And the episode. Yeah, I found it interesting that he turned out to be the villain is he uh crosshair is he like uh, a known star wars character previous to this because he has the makings of being like an interesting adversary and i didn't see that coming because at the first of the episode he appears to be one of the allies he is he's one of the bad batch and uh, the bad batch had only been introduced in an arc prior to uh in the last season of the clone wars and it was an okay-ish arc uh but the characters were more caricatures and they were still caricatures but they will slowly develop and there was a lot of development between that arc and this first pilot uh crosshair seemed very cranky and stuck up but the, him turning into a villain uh there's a lot behind that so uh a couple things his armor at the end of the episode very 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 death trooper looking is he the first death trooper oh, that cool. we see in rogue one that could be cool uh, that could be very cool. Uh, we don't know anything about the Death Troopers. Are the Death Troopers modified clones? Are they the remaining clone troopers? Mm. We don't know what, like, if the clone troopers were fully phased out. This show is going to tell us what happens to basically all of the clones over the course of this 19 years through this kind of lens with these characters. Uh, but also in that same vein, Crosshair mutters throughout the episode, good soldiers follow orders. Yes. And this line harkens back to uh, a failure that occurs where Tups, who's a different clone during the Clone Wars, his chip malfunctions and he murders his clone commander just randomly in the middle of the Clone Wars. Wow. And that spurs an investigation uh, and ultimately, but in that episode, he starts uttering, good clones follow orders. Good clones follow orders. Oh, good creepy. soldiers follow orders. Yeah. Good soldiers follow orders. And then he kills his commander because he just gets a malfunction that gives him order 66 just for no reason. <laughs> uh, and then that's what leads Rex and others to investigate the notion of inhibitor chips. And that's how a couple of them know about it. Uh, and the character Fives, who's part of the Bad Batch, uh, also how he was able to have his taken out prior to this point. So I have a couple of issues just with the setup of the series and, and the concept of a Bad Batch in general. I think Given that it's a transitionary time for the narrative of Star Wars within Disney, especially for animated TV viewers, small screen viewers who aren't like the obvious mainstream Mandalorian fans, um, people coming into this, having seen Clone Wars already, might be familiar with what it means to be uh, part of the Bad Batch. But I am not. And so my instinct that is not very well subverted is to think that the Bad Batch are... Uh, squad 99 are our main characters and they're the bad batch because they are not following order 66 and i don't know very clearly at the beginning of this episode what an inhibitor chip is i don't know whether it's a good thing to have or a bad thing to have i don't really understand why all these people are called clones when they don't look like Django fett that's a confusion for me um and so in general i'm just kind of suddenly i'm in this part of the saga that we've now seen in Clone Wars, in Revenge of the Sith, and The Bad Batch. We've seen uh, Order 66 executed three times now. I should mm -hmm. feel comfortable and familiar here, and I'm a total fish out of water. So, so why is that? 
I think this is really, really interesting because you're one of the first people's reaction I've heard that is introduced to the Bad Batch well before you are properly introduced to the Clone Wars of Rebels. And so, so much of this went over your head in a way that I expected a lot of it to, but I wasn't expecting it to be so um, between the coach cushions. There's yeah. a better term I was looking for, but I couldn't, <laughs> I couldn't pick it. Alienating. Uh, inside baseball. Yeah. Inside, yeah, alienating, but yeah. absolutely. Uh, so that's really, really interesting because that goes to show that although there was a fair bit of exposition in this episode, it was apparently either too subtle or required things like inhibitor chip, which is something that is expanded upon in a lot of canon, but a lot of canon that you haven't seen. And so that that is really interesting that there are clearly enough arcs in the Clone Wars that are necessary to see prior to watching The Bad Batch Maybe. to fully understand what's going on. Uh, I can answer pretty much all of your questions and I can uh, create some context right from the get-go that maybe you didn't get that hopefully can help. Do you know who the Jedi was at the beginning? The Jedi Master? Either of them. Well, so, see, this is the thing that I get that it would be very uh, gratifying to see this young Caleb knowing that he grows up to be Kanan Jarrus, the main character from Rebels, who you felt quite strongly about. Um, mm -hmm. But I had to learn that from, like, looking up the show on IMDb yeah. Trivia or Wikipedia or whatever. Um, and I guess I, I don't have any, like, particular familiarity towards um, his master. In looking her up, I see that she is a member of the Jedi Council as we first came to know it. But... Um, yeah. she just died the way many Jedi masters died in order 66. And so it doesn't seem like she's going to have a huge implication on this show, but probably Caleb slash Kanan will. No, I don't know yeah, who they she, are to answer your question. No, no. And that's totally fine. But like, that is enough context to at least, uh, I mean, the fact that you didn't know when you were watching and the fact that it doesn't really matter takes away from things. And the fact that Kanan is an important character with a hundred episodes of, television behind him that I've seen. Mm -hmm. And so of course that's going to make a lot more. Uh, and like Depa Balaba, a character that there's not a whole lot about, but she was Mace Windu's Padawan. Oh. And she's someone where like, there are very few comics that I own, but there it is. I own the Kanan one. Oh yeah. Okay. And so like, it's also there's Depa Balaba and you'll notice right here, it's a green lightsaber, which is something they decided to change for this for no reason whatsoever. No, but you know what? It, it specifically bothered me because it contributed to, and this is before I knew he was Kanan. And so my first instinct of Caleb was like, great. So we got another whiny little boy with a silly Padawan haircut and a blue lightsaber. And I know that doesn't, let's like, I mean, there are a lot of blue lightsabers, but it just, mm. before I knew who else he was, I was like, there is nothing fresh about this guy. And it looks like he's going to matter a lot in this show. And he's the one Jedi in the show. And so that was kind of uh, grading, I guess. I don't think he is going to. Okay. I think that that was done purely to show Hunter's affection or willingness to show affection, okay. whereas Crosshair wasn't. And I think they chose to do it with, yes, a, a Padawan, but a Padawan that we knew. Mm. And they did change the story a little bit. Um, and it's still 
kind of the same for the most thing, like the planet's the same, but like it, it happened at a campfire uh, in the comic instead. Okay. Uh, and so it was uh, like later at night when they're planning, but, but the same commander and happens at a campfire and he escapes in the woods similarly. But uh, yeah, it, that's something that if you don't know anything about the character, it's not gonna be that interesting and making it like a blue lightsaber, super unnecessary. Uh, but it also, it does tell me something really interesting is that they used both of, they created both of these models and used them for seconds, mm. like three seconds in the Clone Wars final season. Oh, okay. You mean the characters? So it, yeah, they created the, the digital models for like split second of screen time. No, they didn't. They created them for this scene and right. they had them and they used them. Who else did they have three seconds of screen time for those final episodes in the Clone Wars? Dryden Voss. Oh, and yeah. so the plot for the Bad Batch is that these are going, they're going to become mercenaries who are struggling to find their place in the galaxy with so many different allegiances. And then of course their personal morals and then the, the world of clones. Um, but that goes to show me that we're very likely going to dip into the, the solo world as well. And so I think this is going to be a really cool show for, uh, diving between every Star Wars property, every created, making really, really clean links for the people that have seen it all. And this is clearly showing that you need to have seen it all to appreciate it. Well, and we already know that they're going to do that. They did that with Saw Gerrera here. Uh, I know Fennec Shand is going to come along, and so that draws in your Mandalorian fans. So And Book of Boba Fett. Exactly. And, and so that's great. If, if that is one of the main aims is to create unification for the layman Star Wars fan, then that's a, a really good mission statement. Um, I don't know that I got it right away because I didn't even get that it was Saw Gerrera right away. Um, and so and, and part of it, frankly, is, is on me because I just became a little bit detached when I got bored as a result of feeling a little alienated. Um, that's I, on the show. Well, maybe it is. I, You know what? It, the greatest sin is, and I said this to you off mic, it's way, way, way too long. Like, And I know that every mm. other episode of the series uh, is supposed to be like 28 minutes or whatever, and that's very palatable, but this is 74 minutes or something. It's almost the length of an animated movie. And mm. it doesn't quite pace like a movie because it's a pilot of television. And so it just was too much to... Maybe in part because it was animated, it was just like, it was it was it was biting off more than I could chew, uh, at least first off. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah, and that is one hundred percent the same issue that every single person I've ever heard of had with the Clone Wars movie. Yes, because the Clone Wars TV show was introduced with four episodes shoved together as a movie, mm. which this kind of is the same bloody thing. Yeah. And so when you do that, it's working for me because I've also seen all of the Clone Wars that led up to this. And this is such a, like it, it is a direct sequel with minor characters. So that is continuing on. Whereas you didn't. So you're starting with this same overwhelming chunk that has too many things that are inside baseball and introductions of new characters in timelines that you are supposed to know with too much information that doesn't align. Things like Ahsoka from before, mm -hmm. Jabba's got a weird son, like all this <laughs> other like weird, like these, like the Clone Wars, like that movie opens up a Pandora's box of questions 
and confusion and eye rolls. Whereas I can totally see this doing the same if you don't have it like the entire Clone Wars behind it. And mm -hmm. so that's a really, really interesting point uh, that does make a lot of sense. Now, let me tell you uh, some of what I did like. Uh, notably, m the majority of the characters. I, I, I like the nice. ensemble. I like Hunter a lot. And I think maybe uh, the Aussie accent could be a bit of a non-starter for this hypothetical. But if we're looking to get Sebastian Stan in Star Wars and have him not be Luke Skywalker, he kind of does look like Hunter a little bit. But I don't know if he would do an Australian accent. Um, I am going to recommend that you do a, just a, a quick Google search of Bad Batch to Mara Morrison. And it will really help, uh, I think, you envision how these people can be to Mara Morrison as just a slightly defected version of a clone for each of them. So you really think these uh, guys are all like uh, derivations of Tamara Morrison as Django Fett? Because they they yeah. don't mostly look like that to me. They have different body types. They have different face facial features. Some of them have like different flesh tones and maybe even different like, like some of them look like aliens. Aliens? Well, yeah. Like, like I'm, I mean, I don't know any of the characters' names, but like wasn't one of them like, didn't he have like green skin? No, none of them had green skin. They all had the same skin tone. There may have been some lighting. Uh, crosshair, crosshair maybe has a uh, has a little bit of a grayer looking skin. But there's also they also you have to keep in mind clones age differently too. Yes. And so in this time period, crosshair might be forty, or not forty. I think at this point the oldest any of them could be would be twenty. 26 uh, accelerated crosshair looks so, a little like, bit like he looks a little bit like tan france from queer eye like he has this like this like kind of uh lean kind of bean pole uh presence i'm, I'm looking at a picture of, of hunter right now next to a picture of Django fat and i guess i see it but and i also understand that they're in an awkward position because they're like making a whole ensemble out of people who are essentially the same guy uh, and mm -hmm. in, in that sense, they they were successful because they were able to make them all look uh, decipherable, distinguishable. Yeah. Um, so I guess I kind of see it, but I didn't get it at first. I was like, well, hang on. These guys aren't clones unless they've cloned someone else now. Yeah, no, I, I recommend there's like really good artwork. It shouldn't be too hard to find. Uh, and I saw it on Twitter this week and it does. It's a picture of all of them uh, just done as Tamara Morrison. And it's awesome it's exact it, it makes complete sense uh and it totally aligns and when you think of this show explaining cloning even more we're gonna get into that yeah we will now that's, that's what, are, what are all the big like confusions in star wars right now what are all the biggest plot holes in star wars right now cloning yeah snoke palpatine ray yep we don't understand how any of those origin stories actually happened despite them being three of the most important characters in the sequel trilogy. Okay. This show is going to explain a lot of that along with the Mandalorian, I think. That could be really valuable. And I think I think that's evidenced just by the fact that we spent as much time on Camino as we did in this first episode, which made me really happy because I always yeah. I always wanted to see more of it. Uh it gave us this opportunity towards um learning about o Omega. I think that's kind of cool, like a little girl in Star Wars is kind of a neat Omega. idea. Omega. Well, she said Omega. And that's No, I know it's yeah. just so cute the way she says it. <laughs> yeah. She she's really cute. Like I don't know what her her deal is going to be. You had alluded to something recently that like maybe 
uh, a Jango Fett could be cloned to be female. And so I wondered if that's what she was initially. And then I figured maybe not exactly, but I'm curious to see where they go with her. Yeah, she's a really interesting character. And I don't think she's force sensitive, but a big part of the internet does. Oh, really? Uh, so that's a really interesting one. People think that there's potential that if she, because of her instincts around knowing what crosshair was going to do, uh, her ability to use a blaster so well, um, I still don't think that's really telling that much. But a lot of people are also pulling it from the fact that clones, all of them have a purpose. What is going to be her special ability aside from just being a female? That seems like an odd reason. Mm. Uh, Palpatine was likely trying to accomplish something with all of them. And so potentially she was the first experiment and maybe she's only ever so slightly force sensitive, but not capable of anything more. And so she's a whole can of worms of mystery. And I'm really intrigued by all of those mysteries. And she's also going to age probably twice as fast. Uh, she Maybe she doesn't. Maybe she isn't an accelerated aged clone. And maybe um, maybe that means that she'll be uh, around in uh, Book of Boba Fett. That could be kind of interesting. Same age. It'd be like almost Boba's sister. Yeah, uh, that would be uh, really cool. I, I think I did hear someone even theorize that one too. Um, but just even, I kind of talking a little bit off of Omega, but back to uh, just the pre being on Camino. Mm. Uh, and another amazing point that I heard someone make was how awesome is it to see Tarkin having a conversation with Lama Su in those white chairs? It is generations of Star Wars talking yeah. to themselves. Yes. And that is just awesome. And it's talking about something that is a question mark that's existed since 1977. Oh, the Clone Wars? Are they the Stormtroopers? Mm. And then in 2002, they are... <laughs> Right. And and I think very recently I was saying that I, I would love an opportunity to see more about the Tarkin story because we know mm. he's there at the time of Order 66 because they that was the first time they kind of like digitally made somebody look like an actor. And it was very minimal and he's from a distance, but you can tell that is Grand Moff Tarkin, although he's Admiral Ar Tarkin at the time. Um, and It might mostly be makeup and prosthetics. Well, maybe it was prosthetics, yeah. Um, but they were going for that very specific Peter Cushing kind of look. And uh, and then they redid him for, uh, that was digital, I guess, when they did him in uh, in Rogue One. And and now he's around here at the time of the, the, the New Empire and the Bad Batch. And this is, a, we might be seeing a whole lot of this guy as like a, a main recurring uh, antagonist. And I, I'm psyched about that much for sure, because... This is one of the more impressionable Star Wars characters, considering how little time we've spent with him. Yeah, I'm kind of expecting him to be the big baddie. I'm yes. really hoping that he is the big baddie with Tarkin, uh, sorry, with uh, Crosshair as his man in the field. And I think that would make a lot of sense. And this is the, it's a great way to do it. I mean, doing it through animation is appropriate. Uh, he's almost a bit of a character in the way Peter Cushing looks anyway. And it's, uh, I, I think it's great. And uh, it, he's a menacing villain, but it doesn't need, you don't need to bring in Vader or anything like that. Uh, and at, I'm curious to know how they bring the force in. 
uh, if it's through Omega or if it's through some other means, or maybe if it's through a like Jedi that they occasionally connect with, or the likely possibility of Ahsoka popping up at some point. Do they have to bring the Force in? I mean, I want them to, but might they not? I don't know. They've always brought the Force in. What right. in what way? Like Mandalorian wasn't supposed to have the Force as advertised. Um, and True. Solo wasn't supposed to have the Force, but they had to throw Darth Maul in at the end to yeah. do just a little something. Right. Uh, and so it, it may not be something extreme, but uh, at the very least, I'm sure Vader will pop up at some point because of his importance. But it's not like the Bad Batch can take Vader, so it would have to be minimal or it would have to be doing a job for Vader, maybe. Now, a character I didn't like was Wrecker if only because of what a cliche he is in adventure ensembles of ragtag uh, virtuous outlaws. There's always a big oafish guy who's dumb. He's Drax from the Guardians of the Galaxy. He's Gimli in the Fellowship of the Ring. He's He's been done many, many times. And every joke surrounding Wrecker takes the uh, the reading level of the Bad Batch down about four grades. It just gets yeah. way younger and dumber when he's part of the story. And it's not its not like we need him for comedic relief. We can have uh, snarky, clever uh, banter between other characters who are more intellectual. I'm not saying that every character has to be like a brainiac either, but it just felt more trivial and dumb when, when Wrecker was there. And he didn't, he didn't bring any new kind of archetype to Star Wars. No, I, I don't disagree. Uh, he's there for a younger audience. Uh, and I think he's there a little bit to test our patience. Uh, I think that's in, in part because he's there to test the rest of their patience. And he, he shows a bit of like, he's going to play that dumb uncle sort of role. I heard someone compare it to um, Full House in a Spaceship. And I think that's really going to be funny <laughs> okay. uh, how like one of them is like clearly takes the fatherly role, but they're all kind of like the dads in this fun ensemble. <laughs> and so, so like, funny. You, yeah. Yeah. But you're going to have your extra like kiddish wrecker and he's there to kind of a, he's there to make it a little bit of a transition between Omega and the rest of them. But it also allows, I, I, I'm, I'm okay with it. I think he's there uh uh, he, I, I, I get his purpose, uh, although he's clearly not there for me. Uh, but I, I'm, I'm okay with him. He, he didn't bother me the way he bothered me in the four episodes of the Clone Wars in the final season. Oh, okay. So maybe it's just something that it's, it just takes a little bit of getting used to him in the setting to be able to just be like an eye roll where it's like Wrecker's, Wrecker's a little slow, and. Ooh, that's okay <laughs> sort of thing so maybe i really should have watched the bad batch episodes of the final season of the clone wars to be ready for this I, it might have helped uh i did i i re-watched them again um like kind of like half-heartedly i wasn't fully paying attention uh not too long ago to see if you needed to and i didn't think it was going to be necessary um because it, it it mostly just incorporates Echo. That would have been the main reason as to why it would have been good to to know about. Because right. Echo was probably a really boring, useless character to you in this episode. Well, no, I could Whereas tell there was something significant about Echo. They were kind of indicating that that this little robot matters a lot. And so I wasn't really I wasn't really bothered by him. 
Yeah. Well, it makes sense that you weren't bothered by him, but in the sense that he is the one with the most backstory of all of them. Okay. Uh, he's the one that actually has more backstory than just four episodes prior to that. And so he was uh, killed or assumed dead, and they essentially reanimated his corpse, the Separatists, uh, to bring him back to life to just enough to be able to uh, retain his consciousness so that they could get the battle plans that he had. And so they brought him back to life just to get his information. But by turn by bringing him back to life and being able to download his mental like data banks, yeah. because the, the clones are semi-robotic in the way that they have uh, chips implanted in their head. Uh, in that process, his inhibitor chip went out. He was dead and he became this like giant human USB port. Hmm. And so Rex rescues him in the Bad Batch arc uh, by bringing them aboard because he's able to prove, no, there's no way in the world anyone knows about this plan that they're able to do a counterattack on us other than Echo. He, and I've been convinced that he didn't die in that explosion anyway. I think it's Echo. And so they, they hire the Bad Batch and they are able to save Echo. And Echo realizes, I'm not like the rest of the clones. There's only one place for me. And so he goes and joins the Bad Batch. Oh. But it's interesting in what they mention, how there's five enhanced clones. He's, he's not genetically enhanced. He's, he, and he was not built by the Kaminoans. Uh, he was built by the Separatists. Right. And so the fifth one was Omega. And that's why oh. Tech was like, oh, I thought you guys all knew that. <laughs> and they were like, no, that does, you didn't explain that to any of us. And so that's why Tech was like, if you pay attention to everything Tech says, he's the exhibition exposition throughout the episode. Uh, and it's subtle in some cases and super overt in a couple. <laughs> like when he explains who Saul Guerrero is. Right. Is there anything significant to her being named Omega, which means last? May, oh, that would maybe explain that she's so young and so she could still be accelerated in age. I don't know. Um, I've heard some people. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't know. I, I, I don't. I'm sure there is. I'm yeah. sure there is. But uh, it's not something that I can um, I know of any connection on. OK, let's let's but go over. I, a... I'm curious about her age. That is one thing I'm curious to see if she double ages throughout this some quotes you already mentioned good soldiers follow orders that's that's kind of the pull quote of the episode but there are a couple of like there's a very similar to when we watched our last arc of the clone wars there's like a lot of good dialogue and not all of it mm. is quotable but um uh i guess kids are not your area of expertise uh it's been days since i've blown something up that was kind of funny that was a yeah that was a what's his name line wrecker wrecker yeah um Caleb, yeah, that's what I thought, but you got to see these clones. They're different. Yeah. <laughs> I thought that was good. That's good. Uh, and I also love that it was Freddie Prince as well. I didn't mention that too, but um, I did see that. Yeah. How did you, like, how did you find his voice not knowing who it was when you were first watching? <laughs> uh, I mean, I didn't, I didn't think anything of it. What, was it like modulated or is he putting on a different voice than he does well, for the Caleb? internet gave him a ton of shit for it sounding way too deep. And I was like, I knew a way to way it was him. And I was just like, <laughs> little Caleb hit puberty hard um, because it does sound deep. But I'm glad that you didn't wreck that didn't sound even off putting at all. No. Um, because, yeah, Freddie Prince hates it when Star Wars fans give him shit and he lashes back. I know I've seen I've seen a couple of those clips when he gets really salty about it. And I tend to very much appreciate that. 
Um, I kind of do too. No, I mean, like, it's not like I think that Caleb is like seven. I, I, I think he can have a deep voice. There's no hmm. problem with that. I almost think that it yeah. would be way more annoying if he had this like squeaky little flute of a voice when he's like yeah. crying about his master being killed. Yeah, and I think I think it also goes to show the voice acting is really solid as yeah. well, and the shot of him jumping across the waterfall. Oh, that was sick! Yeah, amazing force beautiful. jump, and then they pull out. I mean, I know it's not cinematography, but the animation, in particular, in the first act of this episode, is stunning. And they probably like sunk a few more resources into it so that the opening of the show would look really good. But the trees and the snowscapes of that whole opening sequence were really beautiful. Oh, absolutely gorgeous. I'm so excited to watch it. And when you watch early episodes of The Clone Wars compared to what it is now, it's bananas. We get kind uh, of a, a, a Ray Han Solo, I never knew the galaxy had this much green uh, kind of moment towards the end of this episode when mm -hmm. uh, Hunter says to Omega, your first time in space? And she says, first time anywhere. And he says, strap in, kid. You're not going to want to miss this view. That's kind of sweet. Yeah, there's an even sweeter moment in the next episode. Um, very akin to uh, Ray seeing rain for the first time with oh, yeah. uh, her and, and dirt. <laughs> oh, cool. Great. <laughs> yeah. A um, couple other back and forths, Crosshair, Republic, Empire, what's the difference? Tech. The systematic determination uh, of the Jedi is a big one for me. <laughs> yeah. I like tech. Uh, cross yeah, I like tech a lot. Uh, crosshair and Hunter 1. Uh, well, usually when someone falls, you look down, not across. Yep. Well, some of us don't like to watch. Yeah, that was a really that good, was good. Uh, a really good and, retort. And a hunter crosshair. Hunter is, uh, I don't like to think of executing our commanders as a mission objective. An order is an order. Since when? Mm. Yeah, it's yeah. interesting how much crosshair fixates on, I mean, his personal mantra is good soldiers follow orders. And then that final confrontation with him in the hangar, uh, Hunter's basically like, is that an order? I guess it is. Well, then I'm disobeying you twice. Like their their whole their whole um, the fraughtness of their relationship is all built around disobedience. Well, and that's actually something that it's interesting you point that out. That only comes because uh, of Order sixty six yes. and the fact that the programming is is some is somewhat working in Crosshair for some reason. Yeah. Um, when tech, uh, ah, well, they seem the same to me when the clones, the, when the regs are a dick to them. Uh, times change, targets change from Saw. I thought that was good. Yeah, that is good. Might be a good name for the episode. Not good soldiers follow orders? Hey, that is that is a good one for sure. It does uh, harken back to another moment in the Clone Wars uh, for, for me as well. But um, Times change, what changes? Times change, targets change. Targets change, that's really good. Do you want to do some trivia? Uh, sure. Oh, and there's also one other one from Crosshair, which is a good line for Crosshair specifically, is you never could see the bigger picture. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. There are actually some some like good quotes. And and it's and it the vocal performances are strong. I'm not really sure what I'm charging with charging this episode with, other than the fact that I just got lost and then felt kind of left out from the fun and it was too long. Um, yeah, but the, the pieces were fair. good and I can see why if you're already like invested hundreds of hours in into being ready for this it would be quite rich but it's it's yeah. also surprising to me that Disney is open to making such inside baseball stuff because they tend to like one of their their great flaws has often been wanting to be too broad and all-inclusive to the point mm -hmm. where 
like that was you know one of the issues with with what happened with the the sequel trilogy of Star Wars is that it didn't really trust the fans enough and it just kind of did this like this diluted sort of um, homogenous story that didn't really have any depth and where I th I think I've I, I think my issue is the opposite with the Bad Batch. Yeah, and and I think it might just be in that they realized they had enough of a fan base with the Clone Wars that they could do this. Yes. And the fact that if they capture 80% of the Clone Wars audience and some new people, then that would be good enough for them. And right. so I think they've probably achieved that and then some, and uh, it'll be interesting to see uh, if uh, how you're going to take to it longer term. Now you're you're actually like a victorious Star Wars trivia uh, champion at this point, so I don't I don't suspect to uh, to stump you uh, in any way. Certainly not with my Padawan question, which you've already successfully answered. Uh, what is the name of Caleb's master who is killed in the opening of the episode? Jeffa Balaba. I never I never could have could have guessed that. I don't she is think in, I recognize the name. In fact, she is in Phantom Menace and and briefly in Attack of the Clones. So she's in the Battle of Geonosis, and she is at um, Freedom Day on Naboo. I think she's voiced by Archie Punjabi, who's like a very famous actor. Yeah, she was in The Good Wife. Uh, she's a great actress. Yeah, she's really good. Uh, do you have a question yeah. for me? A Padawan. Padawan question. Who voices every clone? Oh, shoot. If you actually go to the IMDb page, it's the only... He's the only actor technically to appear in like the show. I don't know. Yeah. Tom something? D. Brad D. Bradley Baker. Oh, okay. I do recognize that. Good guess, though. Tom Kane is one of the other like main uh, Clone Wars voices. Okay, maybe I saw that and it's stuck somewhere. Uh, right. what, is, what is the name of Wrecker's teddy bear toy thing? His Lula. Lula. Is that a reference to something? Uh, I don't think the name is, but it's a it's a Tuka cat. And so it's just, it's a stuffed animal of a Star Wars animal. Oh, okay. Anyway, which I, is, I thought uh, that was kind of cute. I think, I think Lula is actually a very cute little name. Yeah, and I also like I love that they kind of like he was really upset looking for something and I wasn't you weren't sure what it was and that right. was what it was of course. Right. Uh who lets the bad batch and omega escape? We haven't done trivia in a long time and I forgot how often I'm just like, "Oh, uh I don't know." <laughs> but I don't know. I forget. They, they say her name a couple times. It's Nala Say. That doesn't really ring a bell. And I watched it with subtitles. So I'm not sure why that doesn't ring. They say it a couple times. I hope they did. Yeah, I believe you. Or else, yeah. I believe but you. She's in a few episodes of The Clone Wars as well. How long did they say it's been since they had been to Kamino? It was uh, 180 rotations. Yep. Uh, or adjusted at 205. Correct. You nailed um, it. That just means like to catch up like with the galactic standard, like to them, it's 180 rotations, which is years or days or, or whatever. Yeah. I don't know which one is like whether 205 was the galactic standard time and like it was 180 Kaminoan rotations or something. And that's just what they were referring to. 205 so. was the galactic standard time. But I, I find that only interesting because it's always just like as an anal person, it's always kind of bothered me that they use like years or singular singular units of time interplanetarily in Star Wars. And we've talked before mm. about how it's just such a slippery slope that it's best that they do that and that they use mm. Coruscant as like the galactic standard it or is. whatever. And that that's mm. that's fine. 
but they never even go so far as to qualify that there is a difference from planet to planet, except for in this moment. And so it did stand out to me. Yeah, no, that is, I think it's good. I think it's great as one of those little like answering questions. Oh, another thing we should talk about after we do the trivia uh, is chain codes. Okay. Um, And did, uh, did you ask me a master question or did I, or should I ask you one? That's what that was. Yeah. I'm, I'm out of trivia. Oh, okay. Um, what is the name of the medical droid? Oh, um, I kind of thought that was echo. I, I don't know. This, this is a joke question, Colin. Oh, it is. Yeah. The name of the medical droid. Doc. They, no, they say it in the episode, but it is also a joke. It's, AZI three four five two one one eight nine six two four six four nine eight seven two one three four seven. Okay, so it's just like an he, obnoxious alphanumeric Wi-Fi password. Yeah, he introduces himself as that in the episode, right, as if yeah. you're supposed to remember it. Right. Uh, no, but as a as a real one, yeah. No, that I was. They're all. That would have been if you could have gotten even the first couple letters. That would have been fair because the other ones are also like who kills Depopalaba. It's one of the the. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. So it's the clones. It's like, yeah. yeah. Am I supposed to his know exactly? Gray. Oh, so you do know his specifically. Is, yeah, his name is Gray. Oh, okay. All right. Okay, so tell me about chain codes because I'm not even sure I'm I'm onto that at all. There's so much minor stuff. Oh, they may not have... I'm sorry. I could have been wrong. Chain codes may not have been mentioned until the next episode. Yeah, I don't think I, I heard anything about that, but I did kind of space out in the middle, if I'm being entirely honest. Yeah. I think the chain codes aren't mentioned until episode two. But anyway, chain codes are talked about in The Mandalorian and how right. that's how you identify with the bounty pucks. And that's they right. only had the last four digits of Grogu's chain code and it, it and identified your year. Okay. In, I, in the next episode, the Empire introduces chain codes as a way to track everyone in the galaxy. Oh, okay, great. Cool. They it's big like, brother it's like a, everybody. It's like a SIN number. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Anything um, else you want to say about this episode? I, I feel like we hit on the broad strokes. Yeah, we really did. Uh, I'm just going through my notes here, and I think we hit on pretty much everything I, I wanted to say. Uh, the action was really great in the battle simulation, um, and really, really, really love Tech. Uh, yeah, me too. He's got to be—he's got to be my favorite of them. Uh, but Hunter had a lot of character, and is kind of cool in the sense that he's just heightened senses. Uh, but I'll be intrigued to see the difference uh, between what tech and uh echo do throughout the kind of remainder of the show well uh, hunter is like their skill sets could overlap hunter is like classic hero and that's also pretty common in star wars and adventure ensembles in general mm-hmm. and that he's like at least at first he gets to have fewer distinct characteristics because they're going to build him with more nuance than perhaps some of the more side characters but like Wrecker will have his tender moments and he'll ultimately always be like a big, you know, oafish teddy bear. And uh, I think that they, if they included him for comedic purposes, they can get a lot of the same satisfaction from a guy like Tech, who's just funny in a different way, in a way that that lands better with me. Um, yeah, me too. But uh, in general, I, I, I thought the, the most of the new characters were were really good. And so I'm not out on this show. But it didn't quite connect with me in particular. I think I said that, you know, 50 different ways in the last half yeah. hour. Yeah, the next episode is going to be would be very interesting then for you because it um, it's slower and it is it, it serves a purpose mm-hmm. for the story. But 
also has some stuff that you won't under like this one more so I identified as being I'm curious to know if there's not enough context here right um and so that could be bad uh but Fennec Shand I foresee showing up soon and I foresee Rex showing up soon and I've every one of these shows um especially the the animation ones uh have gotten in increasingly better at a dramatic rate um whether they started out good or not right <laughs> so like I, rebels was good from the get-go clone wars uh i didn't find was as good um but i probably love clone wars even more in the end and they're all both incredible so i have good high hopes but uh, uh i'll be curious to know your take as they move forward just a fun observation i live with a classically trained flautist and she uh has many times in the past referenced a uh, very uh, notable piece of music, a symphony by Gustav Holtz called The Planets, in particular, the movement called Jupiter. And so it's this series of songs within a symphony. Each one is named after uh, a planet in the galaxy. And Jupiter is the best one. And she says, Becky says, that the music that takes us to the credits at the end of this pilot is very obviously derivative of Jupiter from Holtz's The Planets. Just a little cool. music nerd trivia there. That's really interesting. Yes. I That also brings up the fact that uh, I forgot, but the score absolutely, it didn't stand to me the, the second time because I wasn't I fully, fully paying attention. Um, but it was great the first time I was paying attention to it. And yep. I thought it was really emphasized. Um, in the news a little? Yeah, news time. Let's do it. There's not a ton in the news, but there is a ton in the kind of rumor world or just in in discussions and so we can touch on a couple of them here um and a few of them i'm sure we will have missed because it's it's been a while um the big one though i would say would be uh, moses ingram uh showing off her major saber skills and she mentioned before that she was gonna be playing with lightsabers uh and i haven't really had a chance to kind of put my theory out a while back and i still haven't seen anybody say uh the same thing uh, but it continues to become more and more likely. Uh, but uh, yes, she was using a saber, and now she's indeed rumored to be an inquisitor in the series. And okay. So that would be she would be a Sith inquisitor, and I think there's a decent chance she could be uh, Barris Afi, and so that would be um, she was uh, the Jedi Padawan who framed Ahsoka uh, for trying to bomb the Jedi Temple during the Clone Wars. And she had a big fight with Anakin when Anakin uh, realized that she had framed his Padawan. Uh, and it could be an interesting angle. And if you yellow face Moses Ingram, she really, really looks like the person that they got to play um, Barris Afi in... Um, Attack of the Clones and I think Revenge of the Sith. She's okay. just in the background in those movies. Yeah. But if you look at Moses Ingram and picture her with a, kind of like a slightly yellowed face and a black tattoo, like it would be spot on, look the same. But now you also have somebody who is proven acting chops. And now with just a couple TikTok videos is already proven to be good with the saber uh so it looks cool and just just for clarity moses ingram is the one who was in uh queen's gambit most notably recently yeah. and and she's of course cast in obi-wan kenobi and that's what we're talking about right now did you see yes, you and if i didn't intro that <laughs> did you did you see you and mcgregor on on jimmy kimmel last night 
I didn't see it yet, um, but I I did notice that it, they were on, that he was on, and so I'm sure he probably said something. Did you see it? Yeah. So they talked about it for like five minutes, and and Jimmy Kimmel would appear to be like informed. He knows what's going on in the rumor mill, um, and so you and McGregor kind of indicated that he was in Hayden's trailer while while doing the interview and then i think he got a little nervous that maybe he said something he shouldn't say and he's like i mean that is if darth vader's even in the series and kimmel was like well we already know that you might not be totally up on what's public knowledge but like we already know that hayden christensen is in the show and then he, yeah. you know in, in typical ewan mcgregor fashion he uh he said nothing uh he's really among the best at keeping uh a star wars secret so I guess I I'm, I don't have anything to, to bring to this, yeah. Um, but he said he indicated that because because Jimmy was like, how did it feel to put the costume back on? And and you and McGregor was like, well, the costume's a little different now. But I mean, that really wasn't the question. It really, the question was just like, how does it feel to be Obi Wan Kenobi again? Um, but I guess it doesn't surprise me that the costume is different either. Robes, I don't know. I wonder if. And this would be really funny, and this would be the kind of thing that only, like, it wouldn't take away, but I want him to spill something on his robes. Because Obi-Wan in A New Hope has the biggest fucking stain on does, his robes. Does he really? He has this giant stain on his, like, I, I think it's, like, his right uh, upper chest uh, forearm area. It just looks like he like dumped a big glass, like a coffee on his, <laughs> on his shirt before like the scene. And they, uh, they so couldn't afford to replace just, it because they had no money. And so they just went with it. Yeah. I don't know, but, it, or just to show that it's been aged over time. But I just think something silly like that would be funny to see him like in his hut and like spill some soup on it or something. I could see that. I'm yeah. Get, but I'm just excited. over time, it's going to be, uh, there's more and more rumor that for like people, and it's likely that Qui-Gon will be uh, part of the show uh, and that that will be the inciting uh, angle for what spurs him on his journey, which is exactly what I could have hoped for. And so that's really encouraging. I know they're still shooting it, so I don't know what the timeline is for getting like a teaser trailer out. And when I say teaser, I mean like something like really bite-sized. But when that first visual look at Obi-Wan Kenobi uh, is released. It will be exciting in a way that trailers haven't been since, like, certainly Rise of Skywalker, and maybe mm. maybe before that. Like, it's it's going to be very, very, very exhilarating to see him actually look like Obi Wan Kenobi again in a new way. Yeah, that first Rise of Skywalker trailer, I will ne I, I will never underplay with the first or the. Or the last one that shows the first scene of the movie. Yeah, uh, those two trailers are were mind blowing trailers. The one with the Emperor's laugh, and we get to see the Death Star in the in the Kefbar Ocean. True. Like yeah. that is like oh my god! And then Ian McDermott came out, roll it again. Like that was a moment. Um, but like Mando trailers, Mando's incredible. The Mando trailers don't do anything for nope. me, and that's not what I, I I don't want them to spoil anything. But they, uh, it's not the same sort of thing. But you're right. Because it's something that we know and love, seeing it again will just, it'll be so cool to see. And he'll be weathered and he'll look like Alec, more like Alec Guinness. And, yeah. uh, it's, and, and also when we see like, what are we going to get with Hayden? Like, I don't know. To what level of Vader will he be? So it's very exciting. Yes. Yes, it is.
the uh, lightsaber that was discussed before, the lightsaber toy uh, that Disney's making, yeah. as I expected, looks like shit. Isn't that funny? Uh, it is the size of a barrel. It oh. is huge. <laughs> they had an opportunity uh, to make this so cool. Yeah, and over time, other people will improve the technology and Disney will do what they do because they own the lightsaber uh, and will uh, copy said technology and improve it over time. So, yeah. but it's just a shame that they, you would think with all the money that they have that they couldn't do a better job on their first crack to not make them look ridiculous. It looks, they had uh, uh, the uh, Galaxy's Edge Ray mm -hmm. hold it in the demo and Man, if you wanted it to look okay, you should have got the Galaxy's Edge Kylo or someone who was like Bigger. six foot three. Yeah, because it looks oh, it looks so silly. Oh, you got to send me a picture. Um, I got to see that. That looks yeah. That's that's too bad. Yeah, it's a it's a big chunker. I've seen the um, actress who plays uh, Ray, by the way, at, at Galaxy's Edge, and she is a great likeness for Daisy Ridley. They they cast her. Yeah, well. she is. Yep. If they cast everybody really well, and the like, just the involvement that they all have. Um, heavily, heavy, heavy rumors that Knights of the Old Republic is being redone. Uh, it's yeah. like almost a slam dunk guarantee. And so that would be amazing to have that done as a video game. Um, like pure open world Star Wars again, um, and but done in a, in a modern engine. So that would be very, very cool. Yes. Um, I'm not sure if this was discussed in the last time we were on or not, but Matt Lanter, who has done the voice of Anakin in the Clone Wars before, uh, has said that he is not done voicing Anakin. So whether that's for a video game or something, he will be back. Uh, and you know what would be really cool is if he gave me an Anakin video game. Give oh, me yeah. A video game where Anakin's the main character. Tell us a story uh, a year before Attack of the Clones. Yeah, that's a great idea. That's cool. Why not? Give me a, an 18-year-old uh, kicking ass, and you can make his ponytail a little shorter so he looks a little <laughs> less silly. <laughs> yeah. No, I love it. Um, not a whole lot else in the news of anything that's anything concrete. Uh, just a couple uh, just more hear their stories. But uh, yeah, one okay. of birthdays or something. Yep. Uh, happy birthday on Wednesday, May 12th, to Donald Gleason, General Hux. And then on Friday, May 14th, to none other than George Lucas. Happy birthday this Friday to, to Big George. Uh, no other, no other, do we do anything else at the end of the podcast? I'm blanking on how we end the show. I mean, it feels like it's been forever since we've done the end of the show, but I don't think so. I think yeah. it's birthdays and then away we go. All right. Well, if you have any thoughts on the first episode of the bad batch or, or the second episode, which we're going to discuss on next week's podcast, uh, send them along. You can email us at, um, recorder six, six podcast at gmail.com. You can tweet at recorder six, six. We are available on all major podcast platforms and on youtube as well and so either uh subscribe and, and rate and review or subscribe and like on youtube that of course would mean a whole lot to us and we'd love to hear your thoughts until we're together again may the force be with you